really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Cheers, and welcome, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. Today, we are back for yet another bonus episode. This time, I'm thrilled to welcome Stuart Tom. Stuart, welcome to the Scrum of the Earth. Thank you so much for joining us here today. My pleasure, David. Uh, I don't know what time it is with you, but we've just watched Scotland against New Zealand. Unfortunately, Scotland didn't do it, but uh, it's five o'clock on, on a Sunday night over in sunny Belfast. <laughs> well, it uh, things look pretty positive at halftime there. Uh, I, I'm always told it's the hope that kills you. So I guess it was another yeah. one of those days. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a game of rugby is, is hard enough 15 against 15. But w- when we went down to uh, 14 men with the, what, 20 minutes ago, we, we made it tougher on ourselves and New Zealand. Well, that was a big moment. They, they, I think they, they scored the 10 or... Yeah, I think the, the the scoring flooding floodgates opened up right when that yellow card came out. That was rough. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. But there and, you go. Uh, yeah. I I don't know, uh, uh, Finlay Christie. I don't know what the kind of what kind of reaction he got from the fans there. Were they on his side, booing him? How did that go for him? I I think you know any rugby crowd. You know the the they're they're very polite and very you know um, in front of the the rest of the the stadium. Whether what they were saying behind the scenes, I don't know. But you know, there's a obviously you, you could trail back everybody's connection. We're all related somehow between New Zealand and Scotland. So mm. I, think, I think there's a, a great connection. There's a great uh, respect for both countries. Um, just unfortunately, we've never managed to beat them. But uh, there's another day. There's another chance. Yeah, this was attempt number thirty-two. I'm pretty sure. I believe you. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's it's quite depressing. But there we go. You know, that's that's the New Zealanders for you. Uh, well, I wanted to start off by saying a big thanks to Bruce uh, Bruce Aitchison who got us in touch in the first place. Bruce, color me egg shaped because uh, this makes me happy to be have a chance to do this. Um, <laughs> and of course, Stuart, the reason I've asked you to join us here today is to talk a bit about the My Name's Dottie Foundation. Uh, so anyone, as you just mentioned, you know, who just watched that Scotland match. Yeah. We'll have seen Dottie himself just prior to kickoff. Um, and the numbers on Scotland's jerseys today were all done in the Dottie Weir tartan. For any of my listeners who aren't familiar with the legendary man, can you tell us a little bit about Dottie and his legacy? Dottie, you know, there's people in this world when, when you say, um, have you met such and such? And they say yes. And then you actually meet them. And they're not, they, they, they don't... They don't fulfill your, your your what your expectations are. There's there's probably one or two men in this world, rugby men, who everybody knows Doddy, and everybody that comes across the man loves him. You know, he is just he was so infectious in terms of he would make you feel the most important person in that room. He would have a great memory and remind you know whenever you met him last time, he would always remember that the next time. But Doddy Doddy was a um, Doddy came on the scene from for Scotland way back in 1990 just after we won the Grand Slam. Uh, an absolute legend. He, he sort of transformed rugby play at that time, forward play. He was a big, you know, as, as Bill McLaren, the famous commentator, would call him, a big giraffe, gangly thing with lots of arms and legs. Developed into a very, very 
accomplished rugby player, went on the British Lions tour in 97. Um, and then from then on, you know, his legacy, you know, what he's gone through um, with his M&D, um, it's just, and again, it's a horrible thing to say, but there's not many people you want to be your ambassador for your M&D or any charity because, you know, it's you're dealt the hand, but he has just embraced what he's been dealt with. You know, that's five years, nearly six years he's had the diagnosis. So he's been fighting the cause to try and find a cure um, because there is no cure. It, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a death warrant. You, you're given MND diagnosis and you're literally um, told, you know, you, you've got two years, three years, five years, six years, whatever, but you are going to die. Um, and then Doddy on the back of that has just embraced it. So he's from a rugby legend. He's now a legend from the rugby family, but also from the MND community because what he's done to raise awareness is just incredible. Well, as you say, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was 2016 when Dottie announced that he had motor neuron disease. Um, if I recall, the doctors at the time didn't seem too hopeful that you and I would be watching him at Murrayfield op to open a match six years later. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. You know, Dottie, you know, um, was diagnosed in 2016, went public in 2017. Uh, and the doctor said, yeah, next time, next time I see you, you'll, you'll probably be in a wheelchair. Um, you, you, you'll probably have two years, three years to live. Um, so for... But it was, as Doddy said when he was diagnosed, I'm going to hang around and annoy you for a lot longer than two years. And he has. <laughs> and, you know, whether there's an element of he was a big guy anyway, so when things do, you know, waste away like your muscles and, and everything that involves with m and then he's just fighting it even more. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, incredible fight and incredible, you know, and I think Jamie Ritchie summed it up today after post-match in that Scotland match. He said, you know, we're brave, but, you know, we go in the pitch and, and put our bodies on the line. But, you know, that's insignificant compared to what these M&D sufferers have because, you know, it is, it is just horrific. Well, uh, so on a personal level, sort of, uh, so I came across Dottie Weir just as a fan and, um, you know, somebody watching rugby learned about the foundation, was really moved by, you know, just by watching him talk about it and the people around him talking about it. And then sort of COVID came along, I got laid off and I really wanted to, you know, give some money to this foundation, but I didn't have money. And the idea of talking to my partner about, hey, I know I got laid off, but I'd really like to send money to this person you've never heard of. Um, so what I did instead was I just sent a letter saying, when I'm in a better better place to be able to support you, I absolutely want to. I think what you're doing is fantastic, and so on. Just I just wanted to do something. They wrote back. Uh, I got a letter. It's framed on my wall right now, just saying thank you so much for your support. Like there was no reason on earth for to get a response. There was no reason to you know pay the postage to send a letter back to the United States just saying thanks for not sending us any money, but they did anyway, and it. I can't even tell you how much it affected me. And so, you know, as soon as I got a job again, one of the first things I did was start supporting this foundation. It was, it's, it's pretty amazing. You're right. I've got a personal connection with Doddy because I grew up in Melrose where you know, Doddy had a farm and, and a family. And there's a family rugby community that everybody you know, comes together to help each other out in, in difficult times. But you're so right because, you know, and I've organised a few charity things for Doddy uh, events, and without a word of a lie, you will get a message either from Doddy or or Jill from the foundation, 
or personal friend, Scotty Hastings. Um, but it is, it's, it's a personal message. It's, it's a video with a, a very heartfelt, thank you very much for what you're doing. And, you know, these little things, yeah, you can say, right, I'm going to, I'd love to raise more money, but it's those little bits of recognition from the, the man himself or the chief executive or, or the chairman. That means a huge amount. And when I share that with the people in my group, again, they've all said, wow, that you, you can't put up a value on that, taking the time. And likewise, you know, I, I did a charity event recently and I sent checks over. Unfortunately, some of the checks were written wrong and they wrote back and said, thanks very much, but can you then redo these and good luck with the next charity. And that is amazing for a charity or a foundation to take the time to write back to anyone. Um, it's just, again, that, that's why we do it, you know. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it's not expensive, but it's not nothing to send a letter from Scotland to the United States. And after me not giving them any money, they spent money on me. It's just, it was, my mind is still kind of blown by that. It's such a yeah. personal touch. Um, I am wondering, so it's my impression that here in the States, MND isn't really something that people are that familiar with. Um, but if you ask any American if they've heard of Lou Gehrig's disease, the answer will invariably be yes. Um, are you able to speak a bit about how these conditions are related? Are they just two terms for the same thing? Are they sort of one is a subset of the other? Um, well, I think you call it in America ALS, don't you? Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Yep. yeah, they are. It's, it's exactly the same thing, except just a different terminology. And it's funny, you, you're talking about you know, someone's disease because Rob Burrow, the rugby league player, he, eats, he was diagnosed in 2019. Uh, and then when he's raised awareness, um, people now say, oh, have I got the Rob Burrow disease or the Jordi Weir disease? So these people are, are the champions. And it's the same It's the same strain that you're talking about in America. Um, but the reason that it's not well known is there's such a small mass of people that have it. Mm. Because your lifespan is two to three years, you might be 5,000, 6,000 people with it in, in, in the UK, but that doesn't really go up you know, tenfold or doesn't go down. It's just because once you get it, you're literally on a, a two-year, three-year um, death sentence. And so when, so people have got a connection with it, but it's not a well-known, oh gosh, you know, next-door neighbour and the, someone at school. and some, So you, you might have a connection with it, but it's not like cancer or, or another ailment that you don't really know um, many people, but the awareness has to be there because it's, again, this is what the foundation has said. It's not incurable. It's just underfunded. You know, there's not mm. enough money being thrown at it to, to find it. And again, probably in a pure business sense, it's probably just all to do with, um, you know, the research, how much money can they pump in and, and you know, pharmaceutical companies and they see a return on it which is very very sad in this day and age so I, i've noticed that one of the key methods you, you've been using to fundraise is bicycling events i, I think you, there was a, a pretty big one back in september and i see you have a, a big thing coming up on december 21st i believe can you can you speak a little bit about those events yeah yeah again i i rewind right back when when doddy was diagnosed in 2017 um i i working a golf club over here in, in, in Belfast. And so we did a golf event for Doddy in 2018 uh, and it was a success and it was before the Scotland-Ireland match. So 
we had some good players come over for that. So on the back of that, we said, well, we'll do something in 2019, um, which was going to be another golf day. But then we decided, again, I, I don't know why, but we decided we'd cycle from John O'Groats to Land's End, uh, which is the length of the UK. We did a funny route, so it was ended up like 1,400 miles, uh, and that was good. So the, the, the word or, or the event, the Great Rugby Cycle, was formed. So five of us did the whole thing, but along the way, we had people join us. And we really enjoyed it. And I said, okay, you know, we've we created one. So 2020 was, we're going to go around Ireland. <clears throat> COVID hit. So we, we had to postpone that to 2021. But a group of us went around to Northern Ireland in three days, which was like 410 miles um, in three days. Then we went around Ireland in 2021. So as the event kept on being cancelled, postponed, uh, originally it was going to be a dozen of us. And then it was 35 of us went around Ireland. Um, and that event was great. <clears throat> we had um, some ex-international Irish players, uh, and we raised well over ninety thousand for the foundation. So then it was a case of right, what do wow. we go next? So I said, okay, I've never been in Wales. So twenty twenty two Great Rugby Cycle was round Wales. So we did very similar. We just went clockwise round the perimeter of Wales, which was seven hundred miles in eight days. Um, so less miles per day than the Ireland one, but the hills, <laughs> the hills in Wales <laughs> were, were as, as people would imagine, pretty tough. So we, we did that. Um, but in between then, I've done a, you know, on, on the basis of um, what Kevin Sinfield did for Rob Burrow, I did five marathons and five marathons in five days in March of this year. So try and do a cycle event, a big one, um, something else, um, and then usually a golf day or something. So the, the idea is that we have three events per year. So this year we had the five marathons in five days in, in the start in March. Then we went around Wales in September. And then I've got um, what we're calling the longest night. So the 21st of December, as you know, is the shortest day or, or the longest night. So the plan is we, we leave Belfast at just after midnight on the 21st of December. We're cycling down to the southern part of Northern Ireland, the place called Newcastle, um, and then we go via Armagh up to Castle Rock, Portrush Golf Club, and then back to Royal Belfast Golf Club, which is about 270 miles, uh, and the plan is to do it in 24 hours. It's doable. Wow. It's doable, but it's like anything. You know, we're, we're at the mercy of the weather. We're at the mercy of you know, mechanical failures, body failures, everything. Um, so there's 16 of us doing that. And again, oh, wow. again, it's like anything, David, you know, if it was easy, we'd all do it. So we try and make them as, as difficult as we possibly can. Um, so that's 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 the end of 2022. So. I mean, when you're sort of selecting people to do this, is that one of the things you have to look out for? Like, OK, so and so says he wants to do this, but <laughs> I don't know if he's actually going to make the 270 miles. Do you do you have to t every now and tell somebody? Are you sure you're up for yeah, this? It's, it's a difficult one because. Yeah, it's a difficult one because we've never said no to anyone. Now, if you, we, we had a guy in 2021 going around Ireland. He contacted me when I, I put it out through the foundation and he said, I'd love to do it. However, I haven't done a long cycle ever, you know. And then as I got in the conversation with him, he said, oh, the other thing is I've only got one leg. Right. What? And so this guy, Phil Buchan, um, would, was, was living in London. Unfortunately, a car... Um, came over the curb and took his leg off just below the knee. So we've, we've never said no. And honestly, 
we we looked around uh, and people were complaining that a sore bum or they had a sore leg. So on day three on, on the Ireland trip, we had to remind ourselves that <laughs> next to us there was a guy with one leg. It's like okay, so we've never said no. And there's people on on the various like the Ireland and the Wales cycle who are probably not the quickest, uh, they're probably not the fittest, but we've never said no, and they just get on at their own pace. We're all trying to stick together as much as we can, um, but no, we've, we've never said no. And the same with um, any challenge, you know, if if you want to do it and give it a shot, you know, give it a shot. You know, no one's going to criticise you for not finishing, and no one's going to criticise criticise you for for being last per day or or last ten minutes dark because. We're all we're all there for one goal, and that's raising the awareness for the foundation. So, how successful has the foundation been? Have there been, you know, any breakthroughs or positive news that have started to unfold because of the work that's being done? Well, again, it's more of the awareness, and you know, everybody now. Mm. If you go on the website, you know, everything. Every, it's a wide, wide range of, of um, activities. You know, people do a bring and buy sale. You know, they do the body aid. People just do things like me, like with the cycles and stuff. So most of the money is going to the research program, uh, and now they've got some um, research directors involved. So everything is focusing on the research to try and find this 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 cure. Um, so the, the money has been pumped into that rather than you know helping people who have got MND because we want to find the read, we want to find the cure, um, and it's not just for the. The, the well-known people who you know, like Dodie and, and Rob Burrow, it's for the people who, you know, your next door neighbor, my next door neighbor, you know, mm. who, you know, who need a cure or because if you, if you haven't got a cure, then it's, it's a horrendous situation you're in. It's funny because you, you mentioned, well, it's, not, it's not funny, but you mentioned um, COVID hitting and that affecting so many things. So many things were canceled, especially in the you know early days of the pandemic. You don't even think about, oh, how is this going to affect charitable foundations as well? But that must have had a huge impact on the ability to organize events. Like, um, did Dottie ever sort of express frustration about not being able to, you know, make the foundation as successful as he wanted it to be because of COVID and because of these sort of uncontrollable circumstances? It's probably a difficult one because I think, you know, COVID, you know, affected everybody. We all had to lock down. We all had to. But Dottie being Dottie would have probably done too much prior to COVID. You know, he, he would try to be every dinner, every event. And and I think that was the catalyst of saying, okay, you need to slow down. It wasn't good because, you know, he was susceptible, like any um, um, people in, in COVID who had an underlying health condition, you know, he had to keep people away. So I think he was frustrated from that point of view. Um, but there was ways, there was other ways of, of keeping the awareness going. Like we did an online rugby Quiz for eight weeks. Bruce Atchison hosted a couple of those nights, and you know, just you have to think out the box. You have to think of, of other ways of keeping the, the the momentum going, because again, you know, over here the NHS took priority, um, so a lot of people were doing probably stopping what they were doing for their own foundations or their own charities, and focused on the NHS, and rightly so. Mm. But then, when everything got back to normal, it's okay, let's go. But that's it. The biggest challenge is now is, is, is we're in a recession. So we've got you know cost of living crisis. You, you've got every crisis, and it's trying to you know if people can donate one pound, two pounds, three pounds, great. 
Whereas before you might have got 20 pounds, 30 pounds out of them. But I think it's just, we keep on saying it's more the awareness of, of keeping that, you know, in people's minds. MND is not going away. Just because you've raised a lot of money, we mm. haven't found a cure. So we, we need to keep the, the momentum going. Uh, and all, all facets, you know, you've got, keep on saying, you've got Lock Barrow, you've got Stephen Darby, Doddy, you've got um, Ed Slater, who's just, you know, the ex lost a rugby player. So, if, if more and more can be done to keep the awareness going, great, because you know, it is getting hard and hard to, to push the needle. I, I do have to ask, how is Dottie? Have you, have, when's the last time you've seen him? Um, I, I'm guessing he's not, uh, it's my impression he's not really speaking too well now, I think. So, I mean. yeah. I, I saw Dottie in July. Um, he, Rob Peter went to bottom organizes this, the, the Dottie Ride which is around parts of Melrose and the borders um, every year. So I went over this year in July just to do someone else's event, which is quite nice just to, to rock up and cycle. So I did it, and, and Doddy, being Doddy, was there at the start. Um, it was his wedding anniversary, so he was, oh, wow. he was there at the start, but then had to disappear. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to hear him or to hear him speak. Um, I think it's, it's getting harder and harder, and he's pretty much confined to a wheelchair now. Um, but... You know, if you if you look at Doddy and you look at Rob Burrow, I don't know how they do it, but they've always got a smile on their face. And, yep. Man, it, it takes a lot because we all have good days and bad days, but we are, we're not suffering MND. But to have a smile on your face and think so much positive thoughts. So when you see these guys and you're doing an, an event or a foundation or, or anything and they're there, you think, hey, I'm going to do this because of that guy He's sitting over there, he's got a smile on his face, he's positive. So, you know, we have to do what we have to do. So, yeah, I saw him in July and then I saw him on the TV this, this afternoon. But he was there at seven in this morning um, watching Kevin Sinfield set off on his seven ultra marathons. So, Doddy, I, I, I don't know where he gets energy from because there's not many people that be up there at seven in the morning and still at Murrayfield this afternoon. Yeah. Smile on his face. Yeah, I mean, that comes through even just on the TV, just as somebody who's never been in the same room with him. I even feel like I have a sense of that. This, he's just got a presence that's larger than life. And uh, what a guy. And that, yeah, that, that's where, you know, I think he's got a connection with, with not just the rugby community, because people can, they've never met him, but they can warm to him and they can understand maybe what he's going through, but also they have this affiliation of you know i need to do something because he's such a nice guy and yeah you know, he's been dealt a horrible horrible card and they keep on saying it's a team they didn't want to be in but you know it's he's, he's getting on with it um i am curious what about your own rugby journey i um you before we started recording you mentioned you grew up uh, in or near melrose the heart of sevens country was that did you ever get the sevens bug uh, i know you've played a significant amount of rugby can you talk a little bit about that yeah no i, I we eventually moved to melrose when i was um five or six um and again living in the, the borders in melrose pretty much rugby is the only sport that anyone really plays or anyone really talks about or cared about. Um, so yes, rugby was was my sport, and I played it to a decent enough level. Um, lucky enough to to share with some great memories of, of people I still class as friends. But then I went away traveling 
um, after my university degree and spent three and a half years going through Australia, sorry, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and then back to New Zealand. Lucky enough to meet some great players out there and, and played at a decent representative level. And then when I came back, rugby had just gone professional at that time. I wasn't ever good enough to, to make a career out of it. But I certainly was still playing for Melrose when they had the, the pro teams and they, they had the, the strong Melrose side at that, that time. So I would play in the team before it went properly pro um, with you know Craig, um, Craig Chalmers, Brian Redpath, big Carl Hogg, who's a good friend of Doddy's, um, Stuart Campbell, Mark Moncrief, um, Ram Shepherd. So... It was a sort of who's who of Scottish rugby at the time. And then obviously the professional, professional game took over. But we still played for Melrose uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and really, I retired or stopped playing about three, four years ago when I was doing all these cycles because you know, I was doing enough uh, without having to run the risk of, of injuring myself for a cycle. So, yeah, <laughs> rugby rugby's been my, always been my sport. and I love it. Did you say you, you played for Bormware as well? Sorry? Did you say you, you played for Bormware at one point? No, no, not Bormware. Um, no, Borough Muir um, in, in Ed. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. So when, I came, I, when I came, yeah, when I finished, when I finished traveling, I came back and played for an Edinburgh club, Borough Muir first, and then went back to my home club, Melrose. And then um, we moved to Edinburgh. Um, I sort of semi-retired and then eventually played for Stuart Melville. Uh, and then you know, we moved over here to Belfast, played for a club. So CI, when did that's pretty much when did uh when did golf become such a big part of your life? I, I've been running the, the golf club over here for six years. Um, I wouldn't say it's a big part of my life. Um, I don't really get the time to, to play because you know I can go out in the bike for three or four hours and I enjoy it. Um, I, I try and can't find time to, to play decent golf, you know, because you need you know, eight hours, ten hours spare a week to play two competitive and play a lot of golf but I thoroughly enjoy what we do at the golf club it gives me the opportunity to to mix business and uh, and sport which I love so it's it's a it's a very frustrating sport golf because one minute <laughs> you can be very good and that's on the first tee and then by the third green you can be awful so um I I feel people's pain I really do but I, <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoy it I was told once the reason there's 18 holes is because that's how many shots there are in a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but yeah, I've, I, it's, it's funny because we talk to people after the, if after they had their, their, their game of golf and it's a, it can be a great game or it can be the worst game in the world, just depending on how, how they play. I find it very <laughs> strange. So um, if you don't mind, I'm curious, to what, how are you feeling about the Scottish national rugby team right now? Uh, obviously, the, the women got a disappointing result in the World Cup and the men yeah. went, went down to New Zealand yet again today. How, how are you feeling about the, you know, the state of Scottish rugby? Okay. I, I, I haven't been over in Scotland. Or we've lived over here for seven or eight years. Uh, and it's, it's hard to compare, but the Irish setup seems to work because they've got the four provinces and they're obviously now number one in the world, uh, Ireland. They beat New Zealand in, in, in New Zealand, which not many teams have done. So the, the setup over here in Ireland seems to be really, really well and they, they've got it boxed off. Looking from outside in, I think the Scottish rugby has still got the, the, the hangovers from you know, 
Did we go two proteins? Did we go four proteins? Do we have three? Do we have this layer below it, the, the, the super sixes? And, and again, it's probably just a numbers thing. We, we don't have enough players playing at high enough level um, hmm. week in, week out. Because, and I always use Ireland as an example. They've got the four provinces. Now, when we moved over here, they had some of the, the project players playing in some of the key positions in Ireland. But now the four provinces have got homegrown, very, very good players in each position. So Andy Farrell, if, he, if he's struggling for a 10, he can go and find a 10 in the provinces. Scotland don't have that luxury. They've got two pro teams. Uh, and if, if, if one is a New Zealander or, or someone playing in 10, then Gregor is very much restricted of, of where he can go and, and who he can pick. So I think, but again, it's been discussed for many years what is the best what is the best way of doing it but and and again i hate the thing you know, we're always the underdogs and we always sometimes punch above our weight but you need consistency you, you need to be you know there or thereabouts in the six nations every year and you need to be minimum quarterfinal semi-final world cup now we haven't done that in the last uh, two world cups we've been unfortunate that uh, things haven't gone our way you know mm. <laughs> So uh, again, 2019 a was a big disappointment. It was, it was. But again, we, it, it, 2023, next year, we, we've got a massive task to get out of the group um, with South Africa and Ireland in the same group. And then if you do, you've got France or New Zealand in the quarterfinals. Now, take your <laughs> pick. <laughs> you know, I don't think Ireland or South Africa would be concerned about who they got in the quarterfinals because they, they can be both of those teams on, a, on, a, on any given day. Whereas if Scotland said, right, who would you like to pick? Well, we haven't beaten New Zealand ever. And France, in France, would you want to play them in a quarterfinal? So I can, I'm not holding up much hope, <laughs> hope for a success in, in the World Cup. Um, and then again, you know, the, the teams coming through, you know, we're not strong enough in under-20s either. Uh, so th there seems to be a massive disconnect in terms of you know player development and bringing people through, um, but again, I I don't know enough about the ins and outs of Scottish rugby, but I just think it's a it's a frustrating time. You know, we we go into Six Nations and win a couple of games on the bounce, and then we think we're going to do well, and then we we, we fall off the wagon and two defeats, and then we, we get a either a third loss or a, a, a consolation win. But we need we need consistency. Well, you you mentioned how how good Ireland are right now, how strong their program is at the moment, ranked number one in the world, as you said. Um, of course, they've never made it out of a World Cup quarterfinal. Um, I was lucky enough to talk to Bernard Jackman just a few weeks ago, and I asked him, you know, 2023, is that the year Ireland finally make it out of a quarterfinal? And he said, oh, yes, absolutely. We, you know, our intent is to win it all. Of course, the most of the podcasts I listen to are like, here they are, peaking too early again. Yep, yeah. that's how you can yeah. tell you. It's one year out from a World Cup because Ireland's really good. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think this twenty twenty three is going to be the year for Ireland? The, the, the biggest, the biggest, biggest discussion point over here is you know keeping Johnny Sexton under um, wrap and keeping him fit. Now, again, my opinion, that's going to be their biggest downfall. Now, if they mm. don't keep everything revolved around Sexton. They should say, right, they should have said last year we've got, I don't know, say 16 games before the first game of the World Cup. We need to blood these young guys. And now Carberry played yesterday and the wee guy Crowley from Munster. Both played well against Fiji. Both did a, did a job. 
would Andy Farrell then say, okay, both of you guys are going to start or, or I'll keep that same 10 and then Curley on the, the bench against Australia? Because no disrespect, but it doesn't really make a difference if they win, lose or draw against Australia. It mm. should be saying, well, let's blood these players, get them ready for if Sexton's injured or if we need them to step up. And I think that's the biggest decision that Andy Farrell would have between now and the start of the World Cup is who am I going to treat as my number 10 uh, back up to, to Sexton? Because they has, he has got the strength, he has got the depth, um, and the players know the pattern that, that Andy Farrell wants him to play. I just, just think this could be their year. But it's going to be tough. It really is. Because if you look on the other side of, of the World Cup, you know, Argentina, you know, They've beaten us in New Zealand this year. Um, they beat England. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting World Cup. Uh, but I think Ireland will. Semi-final is, is the minimum they need to get this year. Otherwise, as you already said, they peak too early. Well, my, my Eagles are still trying to get in that, that to the very tiny back door at this repechage tournament for the very last slot for 2023. We're going to have to play Portugal uh friday and portugal i mean in this this little mini tournament they they're looking very good they've already scored a lot more points than we have so it's a it's a pretty dicey thing in the u.s but fortunately nobody here knows that rugby is a sport so nobody will be too upset okay it's it's a difficult one because you know if you, if you look at the the, the 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 players that you could have at your disposal but you know you you're a very sport in in america Forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's it's more about entertainment value just as much as you know. So if you take rugby, with the, it's quite complicated some of the rules and it can mm. quite stop stop start. Whereas you embrace the sevens for so many years because it was seven and a half minutes each way. Pretty much you could understand what was going on. It was fast and it was it was more of a carnival. It was entertainment. Same with your your um, basketball, your ice hockey. I think that's where 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 does rugby fit into to the, the American sport psyche? And I think if they if you if you found it and you got it right, gosh, I, I think it would be watch out the rest of the nation because I think America too could do very very well. But yeah, how many years? We're we're trying, and of course the, the NFL is is so big. You know, if, like what does the top paid rugby player make for salary right now? A million, maybe $2 million. Yeah, and yeah. and you, if you're playing quarterback in the NFL, you're making $50 million, even if you're not very good. So if when a kid's yeah, looking yeah. at a couple of paths, Hmm, you know, <laughs> I know, I know, but you know, if you, if you did get it right, you, you would have a, a captive audience, but I think they've tried it for so many years, like bringing some of the premiership games over to America. But I think that the biggest stumbling what for the Americans is it's quite, it can be quite complicated and no disrespect but some of the games can be quite dull if mm. it's just a you know a forward attrition and, and they're not really you know that's why I like watching the, the All Blacks and, and the Southern Hemisphere you know, they, their style of play because it's fast throw the ball around Northern Hemisphere it's, it's moved away from it in the last few years but it can be still quite stagnated and quite dull well, the MLR is is clicking along. I'm a, a founding member of the New England Free Jacks, and you know, sort of, of course, I'm there every single week when they're playing, and they, they've had a great season last year. And I do think the MLR is growing a lot. Um, there's a lot of efforts being made to sort of take athletes who maybe spent their lives through college 
playing American football and saying, hey, now that you've realized you're not going to be a pro, you want to try this rugby thing we've got going? And so there's, yeah. there's real efforts and also efforts to get it in the schools, which is a new thing, which I think will make a big difference for us too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you well, get, get them early, get them early, get them at the schools. But again, I think the issue as well is we always pigeonhole players into, you know, the, the, in, in some of the sports. Whereas over in, in, in here in Ireland, you've got GAA, which is probably more popular than rugby then they've got your soccer but they're they're saying right okay let's bring an athlete forget about if they've got any rugby background can we turn this athlete into a decent rugby player and i think that's where the states would, would, would have the upper hand do you've got athletes you know prime athletes you know, specimens if you want to call them and turn them into rugby players and i think if you can do it through the sevens first, give them exposure, and then you push them into the fifteens or vice versa. But yeah, I, I think you have got got a wee, a wee something that could really explode, which would be quite nice to see. Oh, the World, be Cup, nice. the World Cup in America. Yeah, twenty thirty three and twenty thirty five. Going to have both of them here. That's pretty exciting. Uh, hoping we're able to maybe make a better showing by then. Yeah. But, um. The My Name's Dottie Foundation, what can my listeners do to support it? What's the best way for them to help the kinds of things you're working on? I think if they, if they want to help, it's really read up on, on what the foundation is about. And it's what we said previously. It's, it's research and it's coming to create the awareness. But if anyone wants to get involved, you know, it's silly little things that, you know, just get involved in, in doing a, a charity run or thing. But I think the key thing is is just to read up and embrace it and see what it is because um, the, the foundation need more exposure in terms of the wider community, not just because there is Scotland, you know, everybody knows Doggy, the rugby community. But if we can spread that to other parts of the world, like America, South America, Australia, whatever, it's really just spreading that awareness as much as we can. Um, and it is, you know, it's amazing. We all wear the tartan stuff on, on the side because people now associate the tartan. The Doddy tartan is M and D. If that can be spread to, to America, and it, all it takes is, is is one company to put it on their shirt or, or one football team to have it, like the, the guys did today, the numbers in the Doddy tartan, then people can associate that and say, okay, well, what can I do then? Well, let's do an event. Well, let's do it in America. Let's do something. Um, we can all we can all find time in our week to do something. And you know, that's Matt's my my opinion um, because obviously I've got a full time job, I've got three kids. You know, my wife works as well. We're, we're busy people, but I can't find two three hours of my week to, to think about these events and create these events. Then, you know, that's my Matt's my small part I play, and I think well, everybody can do that. Same thing. Well, of course, I'm going to uh, link the foundation itself in the show notes for this episode. Um, Stuart, if you have any other links that I don't know about, if you want to send them to me, I'll be sure to include those as well. Um, I'd let, and I'll definitely be adding some stuff about the uh, the longest night. That sounds like an incredible event if you don't if you don't freeze to death halfway through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll try and work out the time difference. What you'll you'll be sound asleep for most of it. So here you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, and that's the reason I won't be participating. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuart, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Um, I I love all the work that you're doing. 
the, like I've said, uh, the, the foundation is, is something important to me that I want, really want to support and do everything I can to sort of raise awareness and try to keep that ball moving. Well, I know I appreciate your time as well, but let, let's keep in touch because, you know, we have never cycled across America. There you go. Let, let's, let's get that one in. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'll be, I'll be happy to stand there with a little starter pistol and watch you go. Well, that's, 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 that's the hardest part. That's the hardest yep. part. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put the, uh, the cocktail glasses on ice while you're off actually doing the cycling. And then when you get back, I'll be ready for you then. Yeah. And you can just tell me, don't, don't do it. Don't do it, but go and do it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> well, thank you again. I really appreciate it. I will definitely keep in touch. And uh, I hope the, the next event goes fantastic. And the, the three you end up planning for next year. Um, it's just great, great work. And I'm really grateful that you're doing it. Nope. Thank you very much, David. It was a pleasure talking to you. I will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much. All right. See you here.